Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Big Blue Insider is on. News Radio 630 WLAP and the iHeartRadio app. To interact with the show, call us at 859-280-2287. That's 859-280-CATS. Or you can tweet us at BigBlueInsider1. Now, here's Dick Gabriel. Welcome back to the Big Blue Insider. Dick Gabriel, Aaron Gershon, Billy Rutledge. Hour number two of our program. And we've been talking a lot about John Schlarman. Also looking ahead to Kentucky Vandy football and what is turning into a bizarre weekend for college football with all the cancellations. And uh, that said, let us bring in our next guest on our celebrity hotline, John Lewis, uh, WDRB-TV, who has been covering Kentucky football. John, when did you first start covering UK football? Nine, professionally, 1993. That was, that was my, I started in WIMC in Hazard in August. I believe it was August of 1993, yeah. I thought it was back around. That's exactly when John Schlarman got to Kentucky yeah. as a player. What do you remember about John? Because uh, that was a bowl year, 93. But then they really struggled and ultimately couldn't get it done under Bill Curry. He was part of that overlap with Hal Mummy. What do you recall about John? Well, my the one thing I remember, he was – kind of a go-to guy, win or lose. Um, you may have had some other media people say that. Uh, that He he was a guy who gave it everything that he had on the field. It's a cliche, I know, but there was nobody who I think loved UK more. You know, he was a Kentucky guy, played at UK, obviously coached there, loved that. But I always remember win or lose, that was a guy that you wanted to talk to because, uh, you know, like a lot of linemen, they're sometimes the best talkers, although they don't get the spotlight. Uh he would give it to you straight and uh, not really sugarcoat it. Um, and that's the one thing I remember. He just—he was just such a, uh, a a player that had so much heart, and uh, and I think we saw that in his coaching as well. That was just—it just was such a carryover. That—that that was always the one thing I I remember just from those post game interviews. It was it, that was the guy you wanted to talk to because he was going to tell you what happened, right or wrong. Do you remember how beat up his knees looked? I, no, I don't remember that, but I do remember that. If, I mean, anytime if anyone has been in a locker room after a game, or you know, or talked to players after a game, they look like they came out of a mash unit. So I can only imagine what a, <laughs> the, the lineman. But I don't remember. I do not remember that right off. I'm sure that you could tell some stories. Well, yeah, you know, and he always had those big braces on and things like that. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, I was talking to Aaron just now about uh, you know interviews with John. After practice, and I know you were probably involved in a few of those, Mm -hmm. but uh, he was always a guy. It seemed like he mentioned every kid in his group, didn't he? Yeah. Well, you know, and that's you're right. And it's he was one to share credit. And one thing that really stood out to me today when you saw all the players who were tweeting about him, uh, you know, who played under him, one of them, and I, I can't remember who tweeted it out, but I do remember what he said. He said, even though I wasn't part of the unit of that unit, 
I was part of the entire, you know, I was part of it. I was part of the entire team. So I think that was a, he was a, he was a team guy. And yeah, you would talk to him and he would tell you about everybody else on the line. And then you, you know, and the same thing with, you could never get him to single out anybody as a coach. He's just, that just was not his style because it was all a team effort. How do you think this will affect the Wildcats Saturday? I think they're going to play with a lot of fire. I mean, I, 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 I don't know if it's good or bad that they're going to play a team they should have beaten. I mean, maybe it, it, it lightens the load a little bit that they can go in and, and maybe not play a, a tough team like a Florida or a Georgia or whatever. But I think even still, I don't, I don't think it matters what the opponent is. I think they're going to play with a lot of fire. Are they going to be playing with a heavy heart? There's no question. But I do think that, you know, Coach Stoops and a lot of those guys are going to be telling them, obviously, you know, remember the feeling when we beat Tennessee and, yeah. you know, he got the game ball. And remember, you know, you're going to play for him. And that goes a long way. I mean, it again, you know, it sounds like a cliche and something out of a movie, but I, I can't even imagine what that locker room is going to be like before and after. John, covering the Louisville Cardinals as well, I mean, how is this college basketball season going to really go through completion? I mean, Louisville hasn't even started their season. Nobody has. But they've already yeah, – right. there's already – Two opponents, their first two opponents are already looked like they might not be able to play with uh, Southern Illinois having to back out and Evansville take their place. And then also Seton Hall pausing their activities today due to some positive tests. Are we realistically going to try to go through this and, and try to do this? Is there too much money at stake or is this just a, a premonition of what's to come? I, it, it's, it, it is hard for me to see how this season gets played out. I mean, I, how do you? How do you play basketball? And especially when you're having these issues, you're not going to be playing in a bubble every week. Right. You know, that's just not how it's going to be. All these multi-team events that are happening early are pretty much playing. You're playing inside of a bubble. You you can't you can't do that all, all the way through March. And it's just really. And I hate to be you know I've been called Karen and everything else. Like I wanted to go <laughs> see the manager of coronavirus, but I, it's just hard for me to imagine how this is playing out. I mean, we're seeing this in college football already. And, um, you know, and I think you, you made a good point. Uh, there's a lot of money at stake. So they're going to try. They have tried with college football. And right now we're seeing that the SEC has more games canceled than they're actually going to play this weekend. And yeah. the cases keep going up and up and up all across the country. So just it's just hard for me to, to imagine this happened. And you're right. That was the first thing I thought when I saw Southern Illinois. News. We haven't even started, and there's a team that's out of it. Um, and I, I just think that we're going to hear that every day. I think Keaton Hall – they're still trying to – they're hopefully going to try to come because I think there was a 14-day pause down, and that might work out where they would still be able to travel. But, I mean, again, it's just very difficult for me to try to envision this. I, you know, there have there are, have been some high school coaches around here who, who don't think that the high school basketball season is going to happen. I just got finished with a story. I interviewed a local high school football coach, and they're worried that, you know, uh, and here in Kentucky, that, it, that there's not going to be a playoff. So yeah. it's just it, – it's tough to imagine trying to play an entire uh, basketball season. I see – I think the Ivy League, and they already canceled. So it's, uh, dominoes are going to start falling. Now, I'm speaking about teams that have been hit by COVID. Louisville football obviously did not play last week and had their game against Virginia postponed due to COVID issues. How is, how's that situation there? And it looks like, if I'm not uh, mistaken, that they'll be back in action Saturday. And what's your outlook for their game uh, COVID aside against the Cavs? Uh, well, they they are back in action, you're right, but the problem is with the COVID protocols that are in place, they're going to be shorthanded again, and a lot of the, and a lot of the 
the people that really got hit uh, with through either positive tests or contact tracing were defensive linemen. And so we had, <laughs> UofL had about six defensive linemen out. So now what you're looking at is a team that's going to have uh, – it's going to be shorthanded again on the defensive line. And the good news for UofL is Monty Montgomery, who's their leading tackler. He's a linebacker. He is going to be back. He had to sit out um, in that loss to Virginia Tech. See, all, all this happens right before the Virginia Tech game, and, and head coach Scott Satterfield even said, he said there was some talk that they might even try to postpone or cancel that Virginia Tech game yeah. two weeks ago, but they went ahead and they, they felt like they had enough depth that they could go ahead and play it. They had to, to pause down the Virginia game. So, you know, I, I don't know. Virginia is a slight favorite. I, I think Louisville can go in there. Um, it might be one of those games where uh, Mikhail Cunningham is going to have to, you know, throw for 500 and rush for 400. I mean, it's going to be one of these games that it might not be a defensive battle. So uh, L may have to bring a lot of offense here because this defense, again, is going to be shorthanded. Well, speaking of bringing offense, I'm curious about Kentucky if, in fact, Eddie Grand, as we're starting to hear, may not be there. And, you know, obviously you can communicate with people, but it's not going to quite be the same, is it? No, and I mean the question is: Do you have somebody in there who's going to say, "I've got an idea"? Well, Eddie's not here. Let's go ahead and throw the ball about you know on first down, second down, third down. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm not trying to rip. I'm not trying to rip Eddie Grant, but yeah. I mean when you when you throw for 90 yards in a game, you, you're not going to win any games. Uh, uh, Rick Bosich uh, made the comment uh, in a recent podcast we did. He said, "You know, sometimes you got to throw for 100 yards in a quarter to win in the SEC. You can't throw for 90 yards in an entire game and expect to win." Now I know it's Vanderbilt. I mean. Again, I think that if there's a positive of anything, if you're going to go in shorthanded either on staff or players, you're going to play Vanderbilt. So that's, that is the good thing. I, I, I will be interested to see what the offense looks like. Oh, yeah. But the thing to remember is, you know, nobody sets out unless you've got Lynn Bowden uh, to throw for only 90 yards. You know that they right. want to throw for a lot more. They just don't seem capable, John. Well, it, you know, and the question is, do you hang it on the receivers? Are they not getting separation? Are they, right. are they not getting open? Um, and you can see that against Georgia. I mean, Mark Stoops pointed it out. It's that They're playing a great defense, and those deep shots just weren't there. But you've got to find something in the middle or something because, I, you know, I just – it's hard. Now, again, it's Vanderbilt. You might be able to do it. But on down the road, you've got to start pumping up those numbers, rookie, because that, that's just not going to that, – that won't get it done. Nope. John, I think the only way we can save this season if is if we have a bowl game matchup of Kentucky versus Louisville. How do you think that would go? Who who would you give the edge to? Because I think this has been a disappointing season for both of them. Well, I think offensively right now, Louisville would probably have the edge. I mean, I don't think I, I think even U of L or UK fan would tell you that. Uh, defensively, it's quite the opposite. I mean, you know, UK's defense is. They've been world beaters, man, and you know U of L's defense, even when they're fully healthy, have not been very good. So uh, that would be that would be an interesting matchup. And listen, it's it's 2020. Anything could happen here. So why not say, here's what we're going to do: Louisville, and Kentucky, you can play in a bowl. We'll we'll put you in a bubble or whatever, and let's try to make this thing happen. Because wouldn't that be a a, a nice end to what has been an awfully rough oh. college football season? But it, that would be interesting. Terrible. All right, John, before we let you go, we're going to drag you into our discussion of the Masters and uh, DeChambeau, the big hitter. Billy can't stand it, thinks he's torturing the game. Um, I think, you know, my, my contention was 
you still got to make shots. You know, this this isn't going out uh, to the local pitch and putt. This is Augusta National, mm-hmm. where it doesn't matter how far and how hard you can hit it, you got to make shots. Do you think he is turning the game into a travesty, or do you like his approach? I, I don't want to see every guy play that way, but I think when you got a guy like that, it, it makes things interesting. And like I said, Billy thinks he is an abomination. What do you think? <laughs> well, well why, you know, why not have a uh, a player who's a little bit galvanizing? Because we, we've not seen that in the PGA in a while. I mean, right. you know, Tiger Woods kind of back on the upswing. But, you know, when he was really good, everyone loved him. And he, 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 he I think he galvanized in a very positive way early on. Later on, he became the bad guy. Right. Uh, I don't have a problem with it. I'm far from a golf purist. The most of the Masters that I even saw today was uh, on Twitter. But uh, yeah, I mean, why not? Ha- let's have a happy Gilmore out there. Well, let's, <laughs> let's make it interesting. Let's br- bring in the the French viewers if they think when they start hearing that name, and then they say, "This guy, you know, they're not going to worry about the drive for show and putt for dough." They're going to say, "Man, this Gilmore, oh, he this guy, watch watch him play. Go watch him play." I yeah. think that only does good things for PGA. <laughs> Billy, yeah, go watch him ruin the game. That's what he's doing. <laughs> I mean, go looking in the bushes after he oh, bombed sure. the ball where nobody could find it. It's uh, I don't know. It'll be it's fun you know, to watch, you're, but you're, you're too you're too young to be cynical and a purist, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah, he, the old guys for once. He he is a an old guy buried in a millennial body. There's no question I about believe that. It. All right, John Lewis, WDRV, thank you, brother. Hope to see you soon. All right, you too. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. And we're back in a few, 630 WLAP. This is the home of the Wildcats, 630 WLAP. Welcome back to the Big Blue Insider. Thanks to John Lewis for joining us. And, you know, we've talked a lot, Billy, about uh, DeChambeau, but it was a good day of golf. I mean, you know, his the sideshow aside, there were some pretty good scores today. Yeah, it had a little uh, rain delay to start the day, so you saw the course become really soft. And Man, that's, it was nasty. That's some scoring conditions for these guys, as dialed in as they are. And it was nice to see Tiger uh, come yeah. back, too, you know, protecting his title. He came in at four under. That's only three shots off the lead. So I think golf is always better when you got him in contention. Yeah, and uh, Justin Thomas mm-hmm. is in there as well, the Louisville yep. native. So, uh, but yeah, I think the rain, uh, obviously, that you know, it, it's all part of it. It's going to affect it. But how weird did it look to you? Not only were there no fans, but the foliage was different. You know, all the azaleas and all that stuff. I mean, it just it wasn't quite the same. Yeah, I, I didn't notice the foliage and the and the leaves as much as I did. The non-fans, I mean, that was striking to me to see just more of the golf course that you normally don't. Um, but, you know, I think we may see a little bit more of that as the tournament progresses into the weekend. It's it's going to be interesting. You know, last year was such an anomaly, and now you have the year without fans. It's uh, definitely a back-to-back years that that club will never forget. And, you know, it's nice to have commercials about the Masters being in April. I mean, yeah. it's only, what, five, six months away or so, yeah. so we'll get a little double dip. Well, and the other thing, too, about the Masters in April, it's always after the Final Four. So when you think about that and you think about both, it makes you happy, but we may not have a Final Four. In fact, Aaron, we're running out of football games in the SEC this weekend, aren't we? We lost another one. We did today? 
Yeah, didn't we lose Georgia, Missouri today? Oh, I didn't know that was today. I thought that was yesterday. Oh, but was it yesterday? I, I I, I can't keep track either, Dick. I, I don't Me know. neither. I, I think we're down to three. This was supposed to be the first week in a while, not just because of COVID, but because of um, bye weeks and stuff. That yeah. uh, let's have a full slate, a full slate of SEC games, and now I think we're down to the Kentucky Vandy game. Uh, what do we got? Arkansas, and I don't even know who they're playing this week. I'm losing my train of thought there. And then one other game, uh, Ole Miss's game is being played. So. There's just not much action when we were supposed to have a full slate, but uh, at least it didn't even. We didn't even know if this Kentucky Mandy game was going to happen with what's going on on Kentucky on Kentucky's offensive coaching staff, and then Vanderbilt still hasn't fully recovered from their COVID outbreak a couple weeks ago. So, uh, luckily, Kentucky stays not being affected at least uh, immediately, having a game every weekend so far that they've been supposed to have one, and uh, we'll see. But. Uh, Apparently, Justin Rowland just tweeted something about Kentucky maybe having another scheduling change coming up, and that could be uh, playing Alabama during that makeup week in December because it sounds like they're going to LSU and Alabama might play next weekend. Yeah, I'd read the same thing, and I think Kentucky be okay with that, don't you? Oh yeah, I get another <laughs> week, and you don't have Alabama and Florida back to back. Yeah, I think they get just fine. And you know what? Um, I, I'm obviously there's. Kentucky's chances to beat Alabama are slim to, slim to none, but you know Alabama's probably going to be looking ahead to the SEC championship game by then. And if they don't, I mean, they'll probably have the West wrapped up. So maybe they're looking ahead when Kentucky plays them in a more interesting game. Uh, by the way, one of us touched on it. I can't. It was one of you guys. Uh, the Ivy League already has canceled winter sports, including basketball, and we talked to John Lewis about. Well, whether we'll have basketball, Daryl Bird, who flat out said, you know, you got to think about the money, which is true. Uh, but it seemed to me, if memory served, that cancellations as a whole, and I'm thinking more or less about football, began with the Ivy League. Am I right about that? Like late summer or yeah. middle of summer? Yeah, they were first. It was very early, and people were killing them for being so early. Yeah. And, you know, I agreed with the many that called them out because it, it really felt premature at the time, and we saw other schools follow suit. But then I, I think at all at this point, all the major FBS conferences are back. So I think playing was still the right move for football. But as Billy keeps saying, and he's right, basketball is just such a different animal with it being, you know, an indoor sport, and there's no, you know, there's no helmet, there's no visor blocking spread. So it, it's nerve wracking. I would like to see these universities say that there's going to be no fans at basketball games. I think that is just a, a variable that we cannot control. And it, with being an indoor sport, I think it's going to be hard enough keeping these teams healthy. A big part of it, too, is the contact tracing. You could have one positive test, but you may have seven, eight guys out because of it because yeah. they were hanging out with the guy the night before. So, like, you know, either these rules have to change with entire teams being uh, not able to play because of one or two positives, or I just don't think the season will finish. There was a lot of discussion about the college football season starting but not ending. I think we're at this point now where moving forward you could see the college football season start to slam to a halt yeah. because the the in this country, positives are going up. It's only in, affecting the football games more, and I think we're getting closer and closer to a, you know, we got as many games in as possible. We're limping to the finish line. Exactly. But it's still several weeks away. So 
uh, yeah, there a lot of changes are going to happen between now and then. More to come with the Big Blue Insider, 630 WLAP. You're listening to Big Blue Insider with Dick Gabriel on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome back. It's Kentucky and Vandy coming up Saturday. You'll hear it right here on 630 WLAP. And uh, Mark Stoops talked to the media today, per usual, on a Thursday. But, uh, Aaron, it was not a normal Thursday, was it? It was. Yeah, there was really no talk of the game uh, Saturday. That obviously comes well behind uh, talking about John Schlarman today. And he spoke longer than he normally does on the Thursday. And I thought he was great. But we'll just start with his opening statement before any questions were asked about uh, John's passing. The impact that he made on so many lives. Um, we, uh, as an organization, are doing our best uh, to support Leanne and the kids and uh, our team. Uh, John was so well respected throughout the country and in our community. Um, it, it's hard to state uh, the impact that he had on myself, our staff, and our kids. Um, we so uh, greatly uh, appreciate John. Um, and all the work that he did here, uh, but more importantly, uh, the man that he was and uh, the legacy that he leaves. We will work extremely hard uh, to honor his legacy uh, for many years to come. And then talking about honoring his legacy, uh, talked about Saturday, just, you know, obviously still there's a game to prepare for and how uh, John would want them to do exactly that and be ready to bring it on uh, against Vandy. Well, um, we talked about that as a, as a team, and um, you know, first of all, we're gonna we're gonna go out and we're gonna honor John. And if uh, I think all of you have done such a remarkable job of documenting uh, John's difficult uh, journey and his struggle uh, that he had with that deadly disease, and um, you know, one thing about John uh, that, that everybody will tell you is that uh, he, he was here with a strong, positive attitude every day he could. And he essentially came in here and worked and coached until, um, you know, it was the bitter end for him. And so uh, we're going to honor him by, by doing what John would do. What would John want to do? And, and John would pick up and he'd come to work and he'd put a smile on his face even when he was struggling and he would work. And uh, the best way we can honor him is go out there and, and play uh, the very best we can. Um, and, you know, I know I want to coach as if John was with me, standing next to me. And, uh, you know, if I could be a window through his eyes and, you know, for for him to see the game through my eyes, uh, it would be an honor. And I think our players need to think of it the same way. Just uh, just envision him that being there with us, watching us. And uh, so, you know, we will play. Uh, our team will be ready to play. It's a tough day. Um, but uh, our kids will be resilient. they will bounce back. And uh, we will play hard in his honor. And last I hear, Larry Vaughn asked a really interesting question, I thought, about how Obviously, we all know that John, as a player, was as tense as it gets. But as a coach, you want to be intense, but also got to calm things down so you could actually teach. And um, he asked about how John was able to do just that, kind of calm down and also be him at the same time. And uh, here's his answer to that. 
Uh, I think it's just his personality again. It's hard not to like John. Um, you know, he, he's a great communicator. He's a great person. Um, you know, he, he really is. He, he goes about things the right way. I think everybody can respect that. Um, and, uh, you know, it was really interesting. I got, you know, many people, so many people, the outpouring of support that uh, we've received for John is amazing. But even, you know, different players and, you know, I'm just going to throw out one. I'm not trying to put anything on him, but it really meant a lot to me. And I told Leanne and Joe Schlarman this today that, that a guy like Jedrick Wills, uh, you know, reached out to me and just, uh, you know, he just was uh, touched by John and, and uh, just wanted to pass on his condolences to our our program and, and to his family. And that, that's, that kind of sums up what you're asking right there. It's kind of who John is. And, um, you know, he's just a likable man. He does things the right way. He's a good football coach, but he's an even better person. He's a great human being. That's pretty remarkable that Jedrick Wills reaches out and, you know, a guy who was local, but ends up at Alabama. He's playing in the league now, but, Aaron, I don't know if you remember this or if you were here, but it, it, it was a lock that he was going to Alabama. And at the last minute, you know, he had a big video plan and a presentation, and the yep. video was already produced. But the next thing you know, <laughs> there was a delay. And the word was he was thinking hard about Kentucky. And you know why. One of the biggest reasons is the guy recruiting him, John Schlarman. So yep. you know that that's a heck of a story. Yeah, I was about it was the season before I got here. Well, recruiting cycle before I got here, but it was by the time I was following closely. So I remember that very well. And uh, yes, clearly, uh, you know they talk a lot about Vince Marrow getting credit for that one, but clearly uh, there was a lot of John Schlarman involved that we don't know about that we just learned today that he. Now, like you said, playing in the league, I think drafted 10th overall yeah. this past by Cleveland, and he took time out of his preparation from game week to uh, call Mark Stoops, and I saw he commented on all the social media stuff today, too. So pretty remarkable, like you said. And, uh, yeah, a talent like that, a first-round talent in the NFL, a guy who's a lot to go to the best football school in the country right now, and John Schlarman was a big reason why he almost instead uh, came to Kentucky to play what ended up being a fantastic college career for him and I understand Stoops saying that you know they're going to honor John the best way that they can is yeah this is what John wants is them to go fight hard on Saturday and and beat the Commodores but I just from a human element standpoint it's going to be tough to yeah. get up for a game so quickly yeah it really will be and uh, you know the one good thing about football and then uh, the interior line in, in particular is you know, you, you've got that collision going on in every game and every play. So, you know, they'll they'll have their emotional struggles and they'll work it out. But as soon as they start running into each other, you know, they're going to have to concentrate on the matter at hand. So, but, you know, wondering, as I mentioned earlier, how are they going to organize things on the sideline, especially if Eddie Grant's not there? You know, that's going to be a challenge, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's probably my guess would be it's going to fall on Darren Hinshaw, who's the assistant OC on top of his quarterback duties. But 
we all know right now Hinshaw has his hands as full as any coach on the staff with yeah. the quarterback play are this year. So, I mean, luckily, I, it was a good question. Uh, I think you asked it, Dick, to Max. It might have been Billy, but um, how it, it'll help that it's a veteran group, right? I mean, you have Drake, Landon, who have been here forever, Kennard, the junior, who is pr- probably going to leave after this year as an NFL guy. I don't know if Fortner is going to be able to go, but you'd think he'd at least be in the locker room, especially with what's going on right now. So, uh, luckily, it's a veteran group. Not saying they, they're going to be able to coach themselves, but they'll know where to line up. They'll know what to do for the most part, um, which should ease the burden, not, of course, of him, of Schwarman's death, but ease the burden of at least game planning and having the offensive line ready to, uh, you know, put their plan together and play it on Saturday. But, yeah, it's going to be really interesting, to say the least, if Eddie Grant's out there Saturday with what's already going on with this offense, because everything else aside, I like um, this offense had such a tough year, and it's not great to have um, three offense coaches down this week. I like John's answer saying, well, if Eddie Grant's not calling the plays, maybe they'll throw the ball a little bit. <laughs> but, um, Dick, you asked John if he had ever seen John Schlarman's knees. Were they, like, visibly messed up or on the sideline, or was he always wearing an ice pack? Uh, tell yeah. me about this guy's knees. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, there was always ice around, but um, he always had these huge braces on. You know, and, and he was always coming off some kind of surgery. And I honestly had no idea. And not only how did he function, but at such a high level, you know. But that's why when he graduated, uh, you know, his eligibility was up. You knew he was not going to go to the league. You knew that coaching was in his future because he just did the best he could. But here's the thing. He held himself together. I like I like to say was spitting bailing wire, and when he was a coach, when he got here, uh, I don't remember which one of our guests talked about it, but it might have been Max. Uh, the old line was really, really struggling, and there were some seasons where they didn't have a couple seasons where they didn't have much to begin with, and then people began to get hurt, and somehow Schlarman held them together. And I would ask Stoops about it, and he would just talk about how remarkable John was. I tried to ask John about it, and, of course, all he'd ever talk about was the players. And, Aaron, you experienced the same thing, didn't you? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt about it. Um, Like I said earlier, every time um, Schlarman spoke to the media or was on our show, which unfortunately – wasn't enough for my liking, yeah. uh, but just given everything going on, I, I, I felt inspired just seeing a guy going through hell pretty much uh, up there with a smile and laughing a lot of the time. And like I said, he just met, it made uh, the task of just speaking to the media, which we all know a lot of people don't like, uh, it made it feel like it was the most important thing on his mind um, and that he genuinely enjoyed the conversations and enjoyed kind of giving some of his wisdom to us. So, yeah, he was. Uh, he seemed to everything he did. He seemed to put a hundred percent effort into it, and that's why, like I said earlier, that's why you see so the toughness of this Kentucky offensive yeah. line. Um, and like like you said, it probably you know talent's going to help with recruiting, but him coming in and whooping that room into shape, I bet you played a big role. And I mean, they went from two and ten to five and seven in one year. Yeah, and. Uh... 
You're talking about thousand-yard rushers, all Americans, all conference performers. So, yeah, the uh, his legacy is unbelievable. A uh, couple of other notes before we get to our next break. These are about basketball. Uh, Ryan Howard, preseason first team AP All-American, and you might say to yourself, "Well, yeah," but here's this this cut. Kind of, you know, when the more I thought about it, the more I thought, "Well, okay." She's the first. She is the first preseason AP All-American in the history of Kentucky basketball. And they have been picking a preseason team since 1994-95. You know, and they've had All-American players, to be sure, under Matthew Mitchell. But when you think about it, and we just talked just the other night about how she's on a lot of watch lists, but in the summertime... You know, I, Aaron, do you even remember what the lists were that we were talking about? But there was some some big college, women's college basketball yeah. uh, list, and she was like 34th or something like that. Do you remember that? I, I remember what you're talking about, but I don't remember what list it was, but it's ridiculous because I'm pretty sure, wasn't didn't she finish second or third behind Sabrina Nescu for player of the year a couple yeah. of years ago? Yeah. I mean, she, yeah. So she, she with Nesco now in the WNBA, She's the best returning player in college basketball. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you could put her at 34. She's number one in the world, in the college in college women's basketball right now. There's no better player entering the year. And if she's healthy um, and we obviously get a season in, I think she's going to win the AP Player of the Year award. And you know what? She might be the number one pick in the 2021 WNBA. Wow. Draft. I'll make a prediction for you. Her point production will rise dramatically this year, not at the expense of her teammates. But you've covered – you guys have seen her play on TV or in person. And oh. there are times, Aaron, as you know, where she'll dish it, watch for her teammates to score, kind of hang back a little bit. She'll play defense, she'll rebound. But she doesn't dominate the game all the time. And, unfortunately, that's what a lot of people look for – so her numbers are modest for someone of her ability. I will predict to you that she'll tear it up this year. I, I agree. Will predict to I, you. I think it's going to help that, you know what, I'm not saying that Max, Matthew Mitchell's had some bad teams, but this team is his best on paper by far that oh, he's yeah. ever had. Yeah. And that takes off her. She doesn't have to feel like she has to carry the load. She doesn't feel pressure to, like you said, share the ball just because she wants to get other girls involved in playing more. She could just go out – and be a star, and she's going to have help doing so. I mean, the one game, unfortunately, the two games I covered last year, one it was when she was injured, but I saw her against Texas A&M. Uh, Kentucky was uh, rated lower than them at that point. And she just she single-handedly came back and brought that team to yeah. just dominate Texas A&M, who I believe had like a 6-5 center, yep. uh, and she was scoring over her at will. She's unbelievable. Yeah, I did that game for TV, filling in for Jeff Picoro and – uh, you're absolutely right. One other note before the break, another preseason honor, all SEC, for two of the men's players. Olivier Sars won, so there you have it. He's already making a mark. Who would you think's the other? Of all these talented Wildcats, whose first team preseason, unless you've already seen it? Um, what a, I've seen it and would have guessed it. <laughs> uh, would you? Is it BJ? Yeah, I, I would. It's actually Brandon Boston. Yeah, BJ. I, I thought it might have been Clark. 
Yeah, well, Boston's a guy who Boston swore up in the rankings late, too. He was, I think, eight for a while, and then he finished number four and obviously kind of got overlooked because he's playing on the same team as Bronny James. Yeah. But uh, if you look at all these lists, like I was reading a CBS Sports article predicting the top ten players in college basketball this year. Boston was right there. I mean, he's if he projects like he should, he's a lot, a lot to be a lottery pick next year, that type of talent. Keep in mind that last year's SEC Player of the Year, Emmanuel Quickly, was not on the preseason all-SEC team as chosen by the media or the coaches. So being picked is one thing. Doesn't mean you're not going to rise to the top. Should be interesting. We'll take a break. Back in a few, 6.30 WLAP. This is the home of the Wildcats. 6.30 WLAP. Thanks again to all of our guests tonight. Max Godby, Daryl Bird, John Lewis. We talked a lot about John Schlarman. And uh, I know that uh, people have been weighing in on social media really all day long. And UK sports video, as always, uh, put together a terrific package of comments. If you haven't seen it, go out and find it online. But it's basically all the members of the coaching staff and uh, I think a couple of, uh, well, several of the players as well. But the heartfelt comments they make about John Schlarman, their co-worker, uh, in a couple of instances, a former teammate, and, of course, a position coach for a lot of these guys. They also talked to Terry Wilson, you know, quarterback for the Wildcats. So uh, it, it, it's really moving, and I can't recommend it enough. Very sad Though, of course, you can tell what it has meant to those guys. And, you know, coaches talk about family all the time. And half the time when they do, I check my wallet. Because, you know, that's the thing to do, the thing to say. And players always say we're a family. But if, if you are ever around this program, not just John Schlarman, but any of you, if you've ever seen these guys interact. And, Aaron, you've been around the program a little bit. Um, and, of course, I travel with them. Mm-hmm. It's it's easy to see it's legit. And, oh, yeah. And especially with a guy like John who lived Kentucky football as much as anybody in that building. You know, he was a player. He was a GA. He was back and forth. And when he finally came back under Mark Stoops, you could tell – that he wanted to settle in for the long run, and he would have if fate hadn't intervened. But, I mean, you've seen these guys, Aaron, like on Thursdays when when the heavy lifting's over and they're all just hanging out. It's it's infectious, isn't it? Yeah, one of my favorite things that I've gotten to witness was uh, the first year uh, I covered uh, full-time, really, was 2018. And Mike Edwards, Derek Beatty, and a bunch of the defensive guys Josh Allen would all stick around while people were doing interviews and they would pretend to be Tom Brady and then, and uh, forget who the other guys would pretend to be. And they'd play like a pickup game just for fun, tossing the ball around, just acting like kids in the, you know, during recess. And it, I just thought it was one, it showed you how close the team was. And two, like it, it just, it was so cool to see. You don't, I guarantee you, uh, you don't see that at every football facility around the country where they stay around and act like kids together yeah. after practice. 
They're just out there to be there. They probably have homework and stuff to do. Derek Beatty has two kids to go home to. <laughs> I'm sure they all things they should have been doing. But they were there playing like kids because they genuinely loved being around each other. And, and quickly, think about all the storylines off the field for this Kentucky program the last few years, whether uh. it be Pascal and Schlarman, what they've gone yep. through, um, this program stepping up when it came to Black Lives Matter, or even Courtney Love and what he was able to do to the community and off the field. I mean, it, it really goes – there is more ways for a program to improve than just wins and losses on the football field. Yeah, fully agree. And – it shows in the wins and losses. It's kind of a chicken and egg thing, but when you have good people and you have good players, it, it it's funny how that all seems to work hand in hand. And he'll be missed, John Schlarman, but his legacy will live for a long, long time. That's going to do it. Thanks to all our guests. For Aaron and Billy, that's it. Good night from the garage in Lexington. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.